Um, before we get started, I do want to introduce myself if we have any guests who are in here. My name is Christoph. I am one of the pastors here, and I am the minister to youth and families here at Faith. Um, I, am, I, I just love having the opportunity to continue worship with you um, through God's Word. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 35. If you don't have a Bible, um, if you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to um, grab one. We have some in the back on tables. We have some up front in some of these baskets. Um, you will not be a disruption if you go and get one of these Bibles or you go and get one of those Bibles. Um, and if you don't have a Bible at home, you don't have an actual physical Bible, please take it. Take the Bible, make it yours, write your name inside of it. Um, it is important for you to have God's Word um, in front of you. So uh, last week, Jeff helped us start our Advent season with Isaiah chapter 9. This year, uh, we really wanted to bring to attention the fact that traditionally the church used to not just celebrate Christmas as in just celebrating one day of the year, but rather the season of Advent. In terms of the church calendar, historically, Advent used to be the beginning of the year. Um, we looked back at the incarnation, Jesus' Jesus's birth, his arrival, and then we looked forward to his eventual return. We really wanted to lean into that truth this year as we begin to look forward to Christmas, the day of Christmas and everything it has to offer. We wanted to lean into this fact that there was an era for God's people when they awaited and anticipated God's arrival, Emmanuel, God with us. We also live in an era where we look forward to his return after that. This is why we are spending our time specifically in Isaiah during the Advent season, in the Old Testament, about 700 years prior to Jesus' birth. Over the course of Isaiah, 700 years prior, there are many promises and prophecies that are made that end up being fulfilled uh, in Jesus. We live in a time, a really blessed time, where we get the opportunity to look back on that and go through Isaiah and see all of the incredible ways that Jesus fulfilled that. And then we get to look forward to the return of Jesus and all the promises that he uh, promised to bring as he returned. And this is what Advent sparks inside of us, or at least is what it should spark inside of us, is hope. Hope. The expectant desire for a certain thing to happen and a trust that it will happen, hope. The people of Israel had a hope that God would one day return and redeem his people. They had a hope that one day God would ransom his people and return to them, and he did. He did. We have a hope that one day Jesus will return again and finish the work he began. Advent is about hope, and we are going to read about what hope looks like this morning through Isaiah chapter 35. So we are going to read through all of Isaiah chapter 35, and we are going to go through it um, a little bit by a little bit. So if you have your Bible, Isaiah 35. The wilderness and dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of caramel, Carmel, and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. 
Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing with joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall, not, uh, shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground spring of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return to come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Lord, I pray that as we spend time in your word this morning, that it would be your truth that we experience. Lord, I pray that as we have hope and joy this Christmas season, it would be hope and joy in you. Father, I just pray as we spend our time in your word this morning that we would shift any hope that we have in things of this world onto you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Isaiah 35 paints this beautiful picture of God's people moving from being a desert to being a land of life. The whole story of hope is summed up right away in verse 1. The wilderness and dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. In the chapter before this one, Isaiah chapter 34, Isaiah is tasked with giving God's judgment to his people. The nation has strayed far from God, and because of it, they are like a wilderness. They are like a dry and barren land. When you think of a dry and barren land, when you think of a desert, what do you think of? dry and hot and thirsty, dehydrated, scorching sun. You think of animals or life that only thrive in a desert area as dangerous and predatory animals. And here's the thing, we in our sin are a desert. We are a lifeless people. We are chained to the passions and temptations of this world. We consume and destroy that which is around us. And I feel like I've heard a lot of sermons that have said what it is like to walk through a desert. But don't miss this. We are the desert. It is not that we are a product of a desert-like environment. No, in our sin, we are the desert. Greed and lust and addiction and laziness and cheating. This is who we are in our nature. We are rebellious towards our maker. But this is the hope of Advent. Advent. You see, last week Jeff talked about going from darkness to light. And this morning we get to talk about going from being a desert to being a land of abundance. But in order to see hope, we need to know our need for hope. God's word is serious about sin. Romans 3, 10 through 18 says this, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. There 
is hope, however. God takes deserts and he instills them with life. He pours his water into them and he gives them life. Isaiah 35, one through two. Let's, let's start going through this. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. This is the good news that Isaiah was able to deliver to the Israelites 700 years before Christ, a people who were under God's judgment, who had strayed far from God, a people who had been conquered and taken from their land. They would be made to be like the crocus, which is a desert plant. It's this desert plant that blossoms when the spring and rain come. And Isaiah uses this language of neighboring countries. He uses Lebanon and Carmel and Sharon, known for their rich forests. These were symbols of abundance. And God says that the glory of the Lord shall be upon them. God's promise is that he will take them from being dry land, dry, barren land, and give them life. And little did these people know that this promise would be fulfilled in a spectacular fashion, one that they could not have even understood 700 years later when God himself came to earth to dwell among his people, Emmanuel. Can you imagine the creator of the universe humbling himself to the point of becoming a baby and then living the perfect life and then being condemned paying the price on the cross, but then conquering the grave and giving us new life. This is the gospel. This is our hope this Christmas. And this is who God is. He takes the dry and barren land. He gives them life. He takes the prisoner. He sets them free. He takes the sinner. He forgives them. He gives them new life. He takes the one that has been beaten down by life and comforts them and gives them strength. Verses two through four, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. This is the promise that God gave to Israel, and it has been God's character throughout the course of history. God takes the weak and makes them strong. He takes the proud and he makes them humble. And there are those of you in here this morning who may feel a lot more like a desert than an abundant land. You may feel like you walk in darkness rather than light. Hear the promise that he gave to Israel all of those years ago. Hear the promise. Know that he strengthens the weak hands. He makes firm the feeble or the weak knees. I, I love that um, God in his wisdom uses knees as an illustration because I feel like the older I get, the more I hear, I got weak knees, right? <laughs> weak knees. Um, I started doing uh, CrossFit about three years ago. And uh, over the course of weightlifting and working out, I started to get pretty bad pain in my knees, right? Um, and, it, and it hurt. And as we often do, when we're starting to feel pain in a specific area, we think that the deficiency is in that specific area. Like, oh, I've got weak knees. I can't do this. I've got, I got pain in my knees. And so we, you know, we kind of do this thing, and we kind of like, okay, just get the knees moving. Got to get the knees. Um, here's the thing, though. I, I would try to move and stretch out my knees, and it wouldn't help very much. But finally, finally, 
I humbled myself and said, I need to go to a doctor. I need to go to get some uh, physical therapy. And I went in, and my PT told me um, something that was really wise. Oftentimes, when you have pain in a certain area, it means that there is a deficiency in another area. So it turns out, when I tore my hamstring as a 19-year-old riding a skateboard down a driveway, give you a moment to think about that, uh, it affected my, my knee almost 15 years later. It caused tension in my knee because I had a deficiency in my hamstring. And I think this is true of us spiritually as well. You may feel weak in one area, but it is because God is working on you and strengthening you in a deficiency in another area. I'll give uh, another example. Earlier um, this year, this summer, uh, we went to family camp up at Lake Lundgren, which was awesome, such a blessing. So we, um, Sarah and I and our three kids, you know, we packed everything up, got everything ready to go. Um, we're getting ready to head to family camp. And of course, we do the good thing that every parent does before you get to, you know, you get into the car for about an hour at a time. You, you tell your kids, like, do you have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> you already know where we're going with this. <laughs> and sure enough, if you've ever made the trek to Lake Lundgren, which is over in Pembine, uh, we get all the way to like, I don't know, we got to about Shady Lane in Coleman, which by the way isn't very far, and I hear from the back of the van the words that every parent dreads to hear. Dad, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm like, well, there's not a uh, bathroom anywhere nearby. And then you're going to have to hold it, dude. She's like, okay. We keep driving. Dad, I have to go to the bathroom. Got to hold it, dude. Um, Dad, I have to go to the bathroom. And here I am, like, Every parent knows, you start to hear it a couple of times, you start to get a little bit stressed out, right? You get a little bit frustrated, you're like, okay, all right, like, there's nothing I can do about it right now, man. We are in the middle of nowhere, and the nearest gas station is Wasaki, so you got to wait like 20 minutes, and we will be there. And uh, I, got, I got really frustrated. Here's the thing, though, right? In that moment, where's my weak spot? Frustration, anger, impatience. Was that the deficiency? Well, the deficiency was that I wanted to be in control. The deficiency was that I felt like I had some sort of need to be in control of this situation and for it to look, look a certain way. At the end of the day, was it really that big of a deal to stop and go to the bathroom in Wasaki on our way to Pembai? No, it was not that big of a deal. It took like, what, an extra 10 minutes? Not that big of a deal. But for me in that moment, what it did is it, I, like, I was angry, I was frustrated. The deficiency was the fact that I wasn't trusting that God's in control. It's all God's time. We'd get there when we needed to get there. My job was to just be faithful to my family and to get them there in the best way possible. So we can trust the fact that God is strengthening the weak hand, that he is making firm the knees. As he says, as verse 4 says, those who have an anxious heart, fear not, for God will come. He will come and save us. And he did. He did. Not only did he come, he lived the perfect life. He paid the price for our sin. He rose from the grave three days later. And then what he promises to do, like this, this is awesome, what he promises to do is then send his spirit to dwell with his people guiding them, growing them, turning them from deserts to lands of abundance. This is the promise that Jesus gave before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He said in Acts chapter 1, 8, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit 
when the, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And for those who profess Jesus to be Lord, we can be confident that the Spirit goes with us. Romans 8, chapter 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And here's the cool thing. So how do we know that it's Jesus that fulfills these promises? How do we know that that this is the one, that it was Jesus 700 years later? Isaiah 35, 5 through 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Does this sound like somebody opening the eyes of the blind? giving ears to the deaf, making the lame man leap like a deer. I know that guy. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. But even more so, he even quotes this. He quotes this in his ministry. Matthew eleven two through 6. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This is hope. This is the hope we have in Advent. This is the hope that we have in Jesus. The awaited hope and arrival of the one who would come and bring life out of the desert. He would cause streams of abundance to flow to his people. And his people would be more than just a single nation. It would be all who proclaim him to be Lord. The good news for every tribe and every tongue and every nation to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. It didn't come through the conquest of a nation. It didn't come through some forceful political overthrow. Instead, God came to earth, humbling himself, taking on flesh, being born of a babe. And and through his life, he would give sight to the blind. He would give sound to to the deaf. The lame would walk. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 7, 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He is our living water. He is the one who gives us life. Christmas is the reminder that it is truly Jesus who gives life and Jesus only. There are so many temptations out there that try to take our eyes off of this truth. There are many things that the world will claim to give, that will give you life, but they ultimately will fall short. I think the unfortunate thing is that over the Christmas time, some of these things end up being highlighted, right? We take these good and beautiful things that God has given us, and then we twist them, we distort them. Um, thinking specifically one, one way 
um, is, is giving, the act of giving, which is just an incredible opportunity. During the Advent season, we practice giving. And part of the reason we practice that is because that is what we are celebrating, God giving us himself. And so we practice giving to model what God did for us, which is giving. This is just an incredible opportunity to model that. But giving can also turn ugly. Giving can stoke flames of greed in our hearts. We can get attached to the stuff and miss what, is giving, what giving is ultimately supposed to do, which is point us to God. If in the act of giving you become frustrated with what you have not received, you've completely missed the point of giving. And think of it this way. God gave himself to us freely. Salvation, forgiveness, his spirit, they are all given to us freely. It is his grace. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So what is Christmas for you this year? Where do you draw upon life? If you are a desert, where do the streams of life come from to give you life? Are they the things of this world or are they Jesus? Maybe this morning is the morning where you begin to recognize that you've been drawing from burning sands rather than the pools of life, as verse 7 puts it. You need to draw from Jesus. This is what Jesus said to the woman at the well, right? John chapter 4, 10 through 14, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get this living water? See, she's so focused on the things of this earth that she's missing the living water right in front of her. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never be thirsty again again. The water I will give will become in him like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now here's the tension though. We live 2,000 years after Jesus came. We live in the year 2023 and there is still sin and brokenness in this world. We still draw upon wells that don't give life. There are still those who are blind, both physically and spiritually, blind to sin, blind to the injustice of the world, blind to the sick and needy. There are still those who are deaf, do not have ears to hear. There is still sickness and disease in this world. But this is why we celebrate Advent. This is why we look back to the Old Testament. We look back to Isaiah. We look back to Israel. We look back on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, realizing that if we have been saved, we have been given eyes to see. We have been given ears to hear. We have been given hands to serve and living water to give to other deserts. We live in this tension of of an already, Jesus fulfilled this already. He came, he died, he rose from the grave, he sent his spirit. But we also live in a not yet We live in a time where we still await for his return. And this is how Isaiah 53 ends. 
and a highway shall be there. Verse 8, and a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness, and the unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way, even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. I love that Isaiah like throws in there like, hey, even if you're dummies, we'll show you the way. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. There will be a day where we spend eternity with Jesus. There will be a day where there is no more pain, where there is no more sin, no more tears, no more anxiety, no more stress, no more greed, no more brother and sister at each other, but perfect harmony with our Creator. We aren't there yet. We aren't there yet. I love that verse 8 calls it a highway. A highway called the way of holiness because a highway is a journey. It's a journey. We are not there yet, but we are on our way there. You know, the words redeemed and ransomed here are very specific. They're used a few times throughout Scripture, and they are uh, words that would specifically be used to remind the Israelites of what happened in the Exodus, right? Uh, What happened when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and God worked incredible miracles to free his people from the hands of the Egyptians, and then they would go and they would roam the desert for 40 years, It would be a journey. Exodus 6, 6. This is what God promised to Israel. I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. It's such a great parallel to the tension of the already but not yet. You see, they were freed from the burden of the Egyptians. That happened. They lived in that already time but they had not yet gotten to that promised land. There was a not yet realization. We have been set free from the price of our sin. We have been given new life because of Jesus. We are a people who are redeemed. We will stand before the Lord one day and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has already done. This is the hope we enjoy during the Christmas season, during Advent. And I want to end with this. We have been redeemed and ransomed not just for our own good, but we have been redeemed so that we could point others towards this good news. This is a part of the joy of the Christmas season. This is a part of the joy of Advent, is that we get to share this joy with others. Think of it this way, if you were a desert and you were given new life, if you were given abundant life, Those, those streams that flow through you, those streams of life that flow through you are an opportunity to, to have those streams flow to other deserts who need to hear that good news. There are so many of those out there who are thirsty and they need to drink from the living water. There are so many who need to hear the hope that we have this Advent. And there's so many awesome ways to do it during the Christmas season. Serve others. 
A lot of great programs out there to help children receive gifts, help families receive gifts, and to get to experience the joy of receiving and get to ask the question of why would people just give just because they want to give? I know a lot of you already did that with Operation Christmas Child, which is awesome, but there are a lot of local ways to do it as well, to bless families locally. There's a lot of people out there who don't have families to celebrate Christmas with, a lot of people who are alone and need to know that they belong, that they were created by a God who is bringing together his family. They need to experience that. Could be an incredible opportunity to invite them into whatever your families are doing this Christmas season. There are a lot of hungry people in our communities. There are a lot of opportunities to feed them. There are a lot of ways to point people towards the living water. Be joyful this Christmas. Be joyful. Remember that you are a desert and you were given life. I love the end of Isaiah 35. Because it says that we are a people who rejoice and sing. You are a dry land and a wilderness, and now you are an abundant land who sings and rejoices. You are glad in God. We have joyful hearts towards our Creator. So let us remember this Christmas season that, that it's not just about looking back on what happened 2,000 years ago, but it is also an opportunity to look forward to what God will do. And as we look forward to what God does, we do it this way. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I want to tell you this. Maybe you came in here this morning, and you don't, you don't profess Jesus to be Lord. There's no better opportunity to turn to him than today. No better opportunity. If you have questions about who this Jesus is, why we celebrate this, what we look forward to, please find, find me, find one of the other elders, find one of our staff members, please let us have an opportunity to share it with you because we want to share this living water with you. We want to share with you what took us from being dry and barren people to being people of abundance. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for taking dry, a barren, a lifeless person like us. Thank you for giving us life. Lord, thank you for humbling yourself and becoming like us so that you could pay the price for our sin. God, I pray that we would be a people who live like we have been given so much. God, help us to be a people who are joyfully, joyfully celebrating you this Christmas season. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.